I was out running today in nature and I was running and there were some trees and there were birds in the trees singing. And, you know, in some trees there was like a crow and it was kind of an annoying ugh sound. Right? <laughs> right. And then there were other birds that were beautiful and singing. And, and I just had this moment where I went, well, that's kind of like me. Like I'm just a, you know, if I, if I want to make this analogy, I'm kind of like the tree and in my brain, there's the crow who comes out and says, life sucks, life sucks, right? You know, <laughs> and then there's the bird who sings, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. But at the end of the day, they're just birds singing and thoughts are that way. So sometimes what I have to do is step back from the whole process and go, okay, these are just thoughts. They come, they go. They, they arise from God knows where and they disappear. Sometimes they sing lovely songs, sometimes they sing lousy songs, but they're not necessarily true. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George and Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today, our guest is a dad, a serial entrepreneur, and a podcast host but also a behavior coach and the author. He is endlessly inspired by the quest for a greater understanding of how our minds work and how to intentionally create the lives we want to live. At the age of 24, he was homeless, addicted to heroin and face facing long jail sentences. But in the years to come, he has found a way to recover from addiction and he has built a life worth living. He is currently the host of the award-winning podcast, The One You Feed, with more than 15 million downloads, which is based on an old parable about, the, about two wolves that battle within us. I'm really curious. I, I know about this um, parable, and I'm really curious um, to find out more about our guest today. And um, most probably, you guessed it, it's Eric Zimmer. Welcome, Eric. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. My pleasure to have you on. So let us know a little bit more about uh, this parable. I know about it, and uh, I've actually listened to uh, many viewpoints on it, and I think it's, it's very powerful. And it resonates very well with um, the gratitude podcast and the um, the idea of gratitude in general. Yeah, well, I can just read the parable to you real quick, and that way the listeners kind of have the the full perspective. So, um, it's an old parable. We don't really know where it comes from. Um, some people think it's the Cherokee Indians. Other people dispute that. So, I don't know where it comes from, but. It's been around for a while, and it goes like this. There's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson. He says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us that are always a battle. One is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love. And the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed, hatred, fear. And the grandson stops, and he thinks about it for a second, looks up at his grandfather. He says, well, grandfather, which one wins? 
and the grandfather says, the one you feed. So that's the parable. And I think like most parables, when we hear it, we almost sort of immediately get it. It conveys a deep meaning that becomes very apparent to us once we hear it. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I just love the way you, um, you made this feel like we were there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can feel um, your, your experience in the field. And um, it's, it's quite amazing to, to be able to have this conversation with you. And I'm really grateful for that. But I, I also wanted to go deeper and, um, and see, like, how can we actually feed uh, the wolf that, uh, that we want to, to win? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a big question that I've spent 300 episodes or so exploring. <laughs> so there's a lot of different things to it, right? But, but at, it, at the most basic, I think, is, is knowing what is the good wolf and what is the bad wolf to you. Mm -hmm. What's important to you? What do you value? What do you want your life to be about? And if we know that, then we can start to be more intentional about what we do. But a lot of us aren't even really sure of that. And we're just kind of moving through life with, what, with whatever appears to us and um, sort of on you know, autopilot. And that's largely why I started the podcast for myself was I felt like that was kind of what was happening. I wasn't being as intentional about what I did with my time, what I did with my attention, what I did with my thoughts. And I wanted to, I wanted to take more, control's the wrong word, but I wanted to have a more active role in shaping the direction of my life. And, and the parable sort of points to the thing we get when we hear it very quickly is that our actions and the things we think about have consequences. And so, um, you know, so I think the first place to start is what does that mean to you? What's your good wolf? What does feeding the good wolf mean to you? Like, I know what it means for me. And, you know, your podcast is about gratitude. Gratitude is one great way of feeding the good wolf. The good wolf in, in to me is being grateful for what I have, for seeing the blessings that are actually in my life. The bad wolf is seeing everything that isn't in my life or everything that's wrong with my life or everything that's missing. And I think at any moment, both those things can be kind of true. There's a lot of wonderful things in my life and there are some things in my life that maybe I wouldn't choose to be the way they are. But since they're both true, where do I want to put my attention? Yeah. And, and gratitude is a great way of redirecting that. Okay, let me move away from everything that's wrong and let me spend a little time thinking about what's right. And, and gratitude's a really powerful tool to do that. So it is a big way that I think that we feed our good wolf. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think there are many ways that are indeed very personal and uh, very specific, but what what i think uh, when when i think about feeding the good wolf and like you said awareness is is very important and um it has a lot to do with what's going on in our head like okay our actions as well they they matter a lot but um for me it's it has a lot to do with our inner world and mm -hmm. 
and uh, it's it's something that uh, we don't explore as much as a society like we are more into the things that are seen outside but i think this this inner world is very important and this is like the, the source for what's what's going on on the outside as well and um in in this regard i was thinking what could be other things um aside from gratitude that can uh feed the the good wolf well i think for me some of the some of the keys are you know gratitude we talked about i think for me there are some things that i consider sort of fundamental to my well-being things like exercise eating well meditation i think that those sort of set a foundation for me that puts me in a place to feed the good wolf when i'm not doing those things when i'm not exercising when i'm not eating well when i'm not meditating i feel like i just naturally drift towards more negativity i naturally drift towards more tiredness towards not feeling good and that makes everything sort of a, a uphill battle and so i really look at for me those things set the foundation that allow me to start um, start from a place of a little bit of positivity. I, I, you know, you, in the introduction, you read my struggles with addiction, but I've also dealt with depression sort of my whole adult life. And those three things, exercise, eating well, and meditation, sort of keep the depression at bay and allow me to sort of start from a level playing field. When I'm not doing those things, it's almost like the bad wolf is, is stronger. So those are, they're not very exciting, right? They're not... I wish there was an easier thing, like just, you know, think positive thoughts. And, but for me, we're human beings and the physical part of me really is important. It needs tended to. And so that's a, that's a starting place for me. From there, you know, things like gratitude, helping others, um, making sure that I am getting uh, contact with, with people, that I'm not isolated, that I'm not alone. Um, those are some of the those are some of the main things yeah it's very interesting how how they get combined and how they can actually get us in a in a virtuous circle I've, yeah I've ex yeah in my experience uh for instance when i meditate i tend to um to look for healthier food you know like i it's for me it, it's very natural to to go for um, for foods that are healthier when I meditate or when I do my gratitude practice. It's also easier to exercise, you know. So it's it's very interesting how they how they build on each other. Um, have you seen this with other people, uh, like in your coaching experience? When we get to to start with one of them, can we get from one to the other and to to start this uh, virtuous circle? I think so. I love that phrase, virtuous circle. The other one, I other phrase that that calls to mind is sort of an upward spiral, right? Yeah. And I do think that yes, these things naturally sort of complement each other. Um, you know, exercising, yeah, just makes me want to eat better. 
eating better makes me have more energy and not feel lousy, so I'm more inclined to exercise. Meditation helps me to have a little bit more focus on what's important. And when I have a little bit more focus on what's important, I go, oh, taking care of myself is important. So they all feed off each other. And the question is, do you try and do them all to start? Do you do one at a time? And it depends on who you are and kind of where you're starting from. With some people that I coach, we're able to sort of say, hey, let's, you know, they may have one or two of those things going anyway. And so then we build on it. Or we're, it, we find it fairly easy to sort of put in a routine that sort of incorporates those things. In other cases, we start small and we go like, let's just add how about 15 minutes of walking a day, right? It depends where are you starting from and what are you, what are you dealing with? What's your current level of capability? You know, if somebody is battling massive depression, that's very, we're going to start in a different place than we are somebody who's uh, functioning at a slightly higher level. So it just sort of depends, but I think they all do um, interact with each other in a positive way in a, in a virtuous circle, as you said. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. And what are, what are the things that make us um, stay with bad habits, like things that we know that are hurting us one way or another, but we're still doing them? Well, that, 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 is, a, that is a complex question because we are, I mean, for a couple of different reasons. One is we could be talking about something that's relatively minor, like eating a candy bar a couple times a week to heroin addiction, right? So bad habits really run from, you know, relatively trivial to absolutely life-destroying. But I think that underlying it all is an essential inability to tolerate the way we feel. Mm. So almost all bad habits and even a lot of things that we don't do, like procrastination, I often refer to them as a failure of emotional regulation. And what I mean by that is the emotion, there's an emotion that's present and we don't like it. We don't, we don't, we can't tolerate it. And so we make it go away. And so again, that can be relatively minor, like I go eat. But if I do that often enough and constantly enough, that becomes a real problem. Or you can take it to the extreme like me and you put a needle in your arm to avoid feeling. And so ultimately, I think that all of these things, and there's a lot of strategies for bad habits. And, and it's, again, from, you know, I've got a good friend who's been dealing with addiction and we've been doing all kinds of stuff. Now he's in like inpatient treatment for at least 45 days. Like that's what it's going to take. And hopefully that's enough. Mm -hmm. um, so I hate to sort of prescribe um, for, for conditions that are widely varying. But, but in, in the end, people who get over these things, they allow the negative emotion to be there. They give themselves some sort of compassion for the way they're feeling. And they, they realize it'll pass. And then they do an action that's in accordance with their values. So, you know, if we want to take my addiction, right? A negative emotion comes up and I feel... Uh, really anxious and afraid about the future. And so my desire, the way I make that go away is I go and I, I take a drug, right? And so now that thing is there, what do I do? Well, the first thing I think is to just realize like, okay, here is fear. Okay, I can, I can, be, I can be afraid. Fa fear is not going to kill me. There's a phrase I love that emotions are not emergencies, right? Mm -hmm. 
but often we treat them that way. We feel a certain way. We have to change it. And so, all right, here is a, here is fear. Okay. I can be with fear. I'm okay. It's okay that I'm feeling fear. It's normal. People feel it. It's okay. What's it like in my body? Okay. My heart's racing. Okay. I, I, I just settle into it. Right. And then I go, all right, what is my value in this moment? And my value in this moment is that I'm not going to do drugs, right? So I'm allowing the emotion to be and I'm connecting with what's important to me, what matters, and then I'm acting that way. And you said earlier that our inner life is really important and that a lot of our society is really focused on outer things. And that is absolutely true in that we often focus on outer things as the answer to our inner conditions, right? Exactly. Um, however, our external actions also do affect our internal action, right? Definitely. And so, and so, I think that it's it's finding the the way. But ultimately, it's about being able to tolerate negative emotion. I would say that's the biggest change between me being an addict and me not being an addict is my ability to go, ugh, yuck, I do not feel good. Okay. What can I do to make it better that's not destructive, right? And how can I have some degree of tolerance for negative emotions? So I think that's underlying a lot of bad habits. And again, this goes from like, I feel bored, so I get on my phone to, and play Candy Crush to I was abused, sexually abused as a child, and these terrible feelings of trauma come up, right? And so then I'm off to do drugs. I mean, these they can be wildly different in our ability to work with them. And so in a lot of cases, we need real help. Um, and in other cases, we can work with ourselves and we can learn to sort of regulate our emotions. That's a, it's a term I like, emotional regulation or, or psychological flexibility is sort of another idea or emotional agility. But it, it all conveys this sense of being able to work more skillfully with emotion and not let our current mood drive our behavior. Wow. I love this concept. And I think it's, it's so impactful, um, like this, this emotional side and especially especially for for us as guys like we are not supposed to think about emotions or to to be too too aware of them or to to recognize that we are we feel fear or we have different kinds of feelings and um it's it's something that's very powerful because once we become aware of the feelings and like you say like you said that we regulate the emotions and we allow ourselves to actually experience them and to be aware of what's happening inside of us that that actually gives us a huge huge power and um it makes us much stronger as human beings in general and um what I also wanted to to add was that even though the the podcast is about gratitude for me it's very important that our listeners like don't don't use gratitude just to 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 run away from uh from the other emotions the so-called negative emotions because it's it's not the solution like it can help you in the moment but i don't believe that 
um, you can solve all, all, all of the things just with gratitude. And that's why there are many things that are helping us one way or another. Yeah, I agree with everything that you just said there. I mean, I think that being aware of what's happening emotionally is helpful because oftentimes if we're not aware, we're being driven by it. We just don't know it. Exactly. Right. And so that's the, that's the thing that the male idea of, okay, I don't, I don't feel emotions. I don't, is that, well, you are, you just may not be aware of the way that that's unconsciously driving you. Trying not to feel an emotion is a, is a, is a way of coping with them. Right. And it has its own, it has its own um, consequences to it. And so, you know, and I think ultimately for me, it's emotions are just, there's a lot of different description of what an emotion is, but on one hand, it is a, it is a evolutionary signal to action, right? It tells us something, right? And, and so the thing is to, is to be aware of it. What, what is the message that we're being sent and then deal with it skillfully? So by emotional regulation, I do not mean emotional suppression, right? It's a very different thing. But I also don't mean that you do whatever your emotions say. It's sort of a middle ground, right? If you think on one hand of, I have an emotion, I must make it go away. Don't think about it. Don't feel it. Go, 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 go. Do a drug, whatever. Suppression. On the other hand is whatever I feel I do, right? And that's not exactly it either. So we don't want our emotions driving our lives and our decisions and our behavior. We want our values doing that. And so it's this middle ground of, okay, I'm not going to indulge or repress my emotions. I'm going to allow them to be there. I'm going to allow them to do what they do. I'm going to learn what I can learn from them. But then I'm going to act in the way that I've decided is important. And I often talk about this with coaching clients. And I use the analogy of a higher and a lower self. And I don't love that analogy, actually, but I'll use it because it, I think we kind of understand it, right? There's this higher self that can sort of sit back and go, well, what's important to me? Okay, well, let's see. Spending quality time with my children is really important to me. Um, doing good at work and, you know, when I'm at work, actually working and not spending a lot of time on Facebook or my local or a sports news site, right? That's really important to me. Uh, eating well is important to me because I want to live for a long time and I want to be healthy. So those are the things that our higher self can sort of sit back and go, this is what matters to me. This is what's important to me. And then as we go through our day, our quote unquote lower self shows up right? And our lower self is the self that gets tired. It's the self that gets hungry. It's the self that gets moody. It's all of those things. And, and we don't need to make that go away, but we do want to say, hang on, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to orient towards these values that my higher self was able to think of when it wasn't going through the sort of grind of day-to-day -day stuff. And that's ultimately what this is all about. And I sort of referenced it in the very beginning about what is feeding your good wolf about? What is your life about? What matters to you? And how do we then translate your values, these things that matter to you, into the actions that you take in your life and the thoughts that you have in your life? Because we can't, we can't control emotion, right? One of the things I realized was like emotion, you can't just 
grab it and move it. You can't go just be happier and grab you know, your emotion and move it from sad to happy. It doesn't really work that way. Our thoughts, we have a little bit more control over. We can't control what thoughts come. If you sit down and meditate, you'll see this almost immediately. Like, mm-hmm. holy mackerel, I'm sitting here. I'm trying to not think, and they just keep coming. Where are they coming from? It's kind of mysterious, right? Can't control them. Now, we can control what we do after they show up. We can control to some extent. And this is what meditation is a practice in, and what it really teaches us is, okay, here comes that thought train. I don't have to get on board. I'm just going to kind of watch it go by right? And so we have a little bit of control over thoughts, and then we have a lot of control over behavior. And it turns out that behavior is a lever that's easy for us to pull that can then affect thoughts and emotions. And an example being I'm feeling really down and kind of lousy and sort of gloomy, and I go out and I run, and when I'm done running, the world looks different. I was able to sort of move emotion and my thoughts by a behavior. And so I refer to myself as a behavior coach with people because what I'm doing, what we're really focusing on is what is the thing that we have the most control over? What lever can we pull? Well, we can pull the lever of behavior and that is going to help adjust all these other things. But it's important to know what values we want to do because that then translates to what are those behavioral level, uh, excuse me, what are those behavioral levers that we can pull? Mm, this makes a lot of sense and i'm curious like i know some of my values and they are pretty clear for me but if someone isn't clear about uh, their values how how can they find out what their values are and what's what's important for them yeah i think that it's really, I mean, there are, you, you can go out and, you know, look on the internet for lots of different, you know, exercises for finding your values. But, but one way is to sort of think through, well, here's one kind of simple way to do it. And it is you think through what are the roles that you have in your life? You know, we, we all have some sort of common roles. We have a role as a worker, right? Most of us work in some way or the other. So that's a role. A lot of us, we are family members of different sorts. We might be a parent, we might be a son, we might be a brother, we might be a husband, right? But we have those roles, okay? And then we might have um, some roles in our personal life. We are, um, we are an athlete or we are a musician or we are, so we think through kind of what those are. And then we think about how do we want to show up in those situations? What's important to me about work? What are my values around work? What are my values when it comes to dealing with my children? What are my values when it comes to dealing with my parents? What are my values around how I spend my free time? What is it that I want to do? And so it's, it's a process. It takes problem is it just takes time and thought and it's not something we love to do because it's hard and we often think that we need to have very flowery value statements and we need to get this all written out and it's got to be perfect and but oftentimes i think it doesn't have to be that complicated right I, I, it doesn't it doesn't often people will say well how do i know if i'm feeding the good or bad wolf and i'll say well in a lot of cases if you get quiet enough and you just really try and be honest in your internal self you know 
you know, and, and, and you'll, you'll feel it. You know, I often, uh, uh, a very simple sort of thing that I often do with myself and with other people is a very sort of basic idea. And, and the basic idea is that for me, a good life, a positive life, the right values feel like some sort of flowing out of myself. They feel like I'm getting bigger. I'm getting broader. I see more. I feel more. They're, they're, they're this outward flowing thing. It feels like more space. And for me, the things that are, are not so good for me tend to be, they feel more constricting. They feel like I'm collapsing. My perspective is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can think about a value or you can think about something and go, well, what does that prompt in me? What direction does that take me? How do I feel when I do that action? Or how do I feel when I have that thought? It, it gives you a sense. You, you, we have an internal compass. We're not very used to listening to it, but it's there. That's amazing. It's really a great way of... Uh, I, I think it, it has to do with gratitude. Like when we, when we are clear on the things that we want for ourselves and we are clear on the, the things that are important for us, we get to experience more gratitude because it, we are focused on, on those kinds of things. And um, I think even if it's not the easiest process, I invite our listeners to, to think about the roles from their personal life, from their work life, and what are their values, at least one or two to identify them? Because it's, it makes so much sense. Once you know your values and what's, what's important for you, you have that, um, hmm, how can I say, like that thing that's always keeping your head up and towards something positive rather than um, maybe getting lost in all kinds of small things that um, that aren't in uh, in accord with uh, with the real values and with the important parts of life and i i love this perspective i think it's it's very very helpful to to have that i agree 100% i think that was very well very well said thank you but there are things that aren't that easy to uh, to deal with like um when we want to feel good when we want to um take our life in a in a certain direction and we face different challenges that are really making it harder for us to to go through this process and to uh, to find gratitude, for instance, do you have some tips for us when when we are going through challenges? Yeah, I mean, again, that's a very broad question, and and challenges take all all different natures. But I think maybe I'll I'll hone in on this idea of we find it really hard to feel gratitude. So I think there's a couple couple of ways that that I look at this right and as I said earlier like emotions it's very hard to make your it's it's hard to change an emotion directly you just can't grab it right 
you can't like it's it's not something we have directly under our control so if you back up from that you go well what are the other things i've got thoughts and i've got actions right and so a way to work on feeling gratitude is to express gratitude right when and when i was in when i was in recovery early on in 12 step programs there was a there was a saying that gratitude is an action word which is an interesting thing or, or or john f kennedy says as we express our gratitude we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words but to live by them and so oftentimes what i find is if i'm not feeling especially grateful i can try and express gratitude or if i'm not feeling very generous i can still try and be generous and that often brings the feeling along with it wow wow i love this perspective so you know i one of the things i've said on my podcast probably more than anything else is sometimes we can't think our way into right action we have to act our way into right thinking <laughs> and so that is one way of doing it what we do our actions that we take can influence how we feel i think the other thing that can happen is sometimes if I'm just sort of in a dark mood and I'm having thoughts, you know, I'm thinking about what I'm grateful for and I'm just nothing, I'm just like, yeah, whatever, whatever, right? It just isn't resonating. A lot of times for me, it's really difficult to go from really negative mood and thinking to something positive. So what I try and do, what I find helpful in those cases often is an idea which is to sort of distance myself from the whole thinking process and so what i mean by that is to become less fused with my thoughts to start to see them as just that thoughts because i can try and tr take a negative thought and make it positive but anybody who's done this often knows that it feels really fake yeah <laughs> you just don't feel it you're like what whatever and so what can be helpful to me in that situation is to is to step back and examine the whole process and go oh okay those are just thoughts an example i had today i, I came up with this analogy while i was out running today in nature and i was running and there were some trees and there were birds in the trees singing and you know in some trees there was like a crow and it was kind of an annoying ugh sound right? <laughs> right and then there were other birds that were beautiful and singing and, and i just had this moment where i went well that's kind of like me like i'm just a you know if i if i want to make this analogy i'm kind of like the tree and in my brain there's the crow who comes out and says life sucks life sucks right you know and then there's the bird who sings it's beautiful it's beautiful but at the end of the day they're just birds singing and thoughts are that way so sometimes what i have to do is step back from the whole process and go okay these are just thoughts they come they go they they arise from god knows where and they disappear sometimes they sing lovely songs sometimes they sing lousy songs but they're not necessarily true same thing with emotions. Emotions just sort of come and they go. And, and so people who've, who've looked at meditation much or have probably heard this analogy, which is often like, you think of yourself like the sky, right? The sky is just sort of there and the, the, the weather moves through. 
the good weather, the sunny day, the puffy clouds, the bad weather, the rain, the snow, the wind, thunder, lightning. But the sky is always just the sky. It's always still okay. And so what we can do is take that step back from being fused with our thoughts, which is like, I am my thoughts, what I think is me, to that one step back that says, wait, I notice that I'm having this thought. And so that's often the way for me. I can't go from a negative thought to a positive thought. That often, sometimes that works, right? But a lot of times it doesn't. I have to I have to distance myself from the, I have to see the whole process unfold and go, okay, thoughts. All right, good ones, bad ones. I don't like it when I have bad thoughts. I don't like it when I have bad emotions, but, but that's all they are. You know, it's back to that idea of emotions aren't emergencies and emotional regulation. It's this sort of more patient watching and allowing things to sort of play out, like change what I can change, do what I can do, right? Work with my thoughts as skillfully as I can, take the actions I can take. And then when I'm stuck in a certain place, like there it is, let it be. Like there's just times where my depression comes and it doesn't matter what I really do, it's there. But I've learned to relate to it very differently. I've learned to relate to it in a much more patient, um, open way where I often treat, you know, I often talk about my depression as sort of like having the emotional flu. Hmm. And when we have the flu or a cold, we're usually smart enough to know like, okay, I don't feel good. Um, I'm going to rest a little bit. You know, everything seems crappy, but it's because I've got a cold. When, I, when the cold goes, I'll feel better, right? I often feel the same way with like depression. I'm like, well, it's like having the emotional flu. Let me take good care of myself and it will pass. And let me not make a big deal out of it. Let me not start questioning my entire life. What am I doing with life? You know, everything I've done is wrong. I mean, everything just looks kind of crappy. So I just sort of go, well, that's the way it's going to be. Let me take care of myself and just kind of wait for this to pass. I really love your your perspective on this, and I was actually thinking about your analogy with uh, with the sky and with weather. Like when when there's a cloudy day, you know that it just means that it's cloudy, and those clouds will pass, and everything's going to be all right again. Right, and I I think that's that perspective has many, many beautiful values and uh, emotions in it, like compassion, acceptance, love. And they are very powerful. Like when we, when we look at ourselves at, and at our states from this point, uh, point of view, it's, it's, it really makes a huge difference and it's really very, very empowering. But I also wanted to get to something else with you. Um, actually, you, you spoke about some things that you are grateful for and I'm just curious, um, what are you grateful for today or in this uh, period in your life? Uh, so many things, actually. I'm at that point. I'm at a point in life where I think there's a lot of a lot of really good things in life. I'm grateful that I have the podcast that I have, that I am able to do the work that I do. That, that this is what I do for a living now. It took me years of doing the podcast and coaching while I held another job, but now this is what I get to do, and I feel like incredibly grateful for that. I'm grateful for the listeners of the show who 
who uh, listen. Some of them provide financial support. They, they, they grateful to the people who sign up for my coaching. I'm grateful for my partner. She's amazing. Uh, I'm grateful that it's a cold day in, here in Columbus and I'm inside and it's warm. Um, I mean, the list just kind of goes on and on. And, and I'm kind of in that space where I can feel that today. You could catch me on another day and say, what are you grateful for? And I would go, well, I can give you a list, but I don't feel any of it. You know, so today I sort of feel it. But you know, the number of things I'm grateful for is, is enormous. I'm grateful that I'm healthy. I'm grateful that I can, uh, go, you know, I went out and ran today. It was a beautiful morning, a little cool, and the leaves are changing, and it was, it was beautiful out. So those are a few of the things. Actually, you've also anticipated one of my questions, um, which is, who are the people in your life that you're grateful for? Because one of one of the things that are that make us feel grateful, one of uh, the reasons why we are grateful, is the people we have in our life. So, if you want to mention a few people, that would be lovely. Yeah, well, I mentioned my partner. She is um, wonderful after a lifetime of bad relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I think I finally figured it out and, uh, you know, am blessed with somebody who's supportive and kind and loving and um, all of that. I'm grateful for my son. He's at college and he's doing very well. I'm grateful for a couple of men in my life who are dead now, um, but who were sort of mentors to me. I'm grateful. I have a, a Zen teacher, uh, Paul, who I'm grateful for. Um, my friends, um, friend Chris. I just, um, my sister was in town and I'm very grateful for her. So uh, a long list of people. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And to be honest, this question isn't as much uh, about getting to as many people as possible, but to actually um, make us all think about the people in our life that we are grateful for and that have made an impact one way or another. So um, that's that's my idea with, with this question and I'm really happy that you mentioned so many people. And since we are nearing um, the end of our time together, let our audience know where they can find you, where can they get in touch with you. Yeah, the easiest place is you can go to oneyoufeed.net and from there you can hear the podcast, you can see how to get in touch with me about my coaching. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff there about who we are and what we do. So oneyoufeed.net, it's O-N-E-Y-O-U-F-E-E-D.net. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us and for being such a great partner in um, in this interview. And um, if you have like one idea that you would love our audience to to ponder on or to to stay with, to um, think about at the end of our time together, share it with us. Yeah, I think the thing that I usually say when I'm asked for like, what's my one piece of advice? It's a it's a quote by Arthur Ashe, and I never get it quite right, but it's something like, start where you are use what you have, do what you can. And I love that because it means wherever you are and whatever is happening, there is a way for you to take a step forward. There's a way for you to move a little bit from where you are to where you want to be. And so just take that small step, no matter how small it is, take a, take a step. You're not 
stuck, you're not trapped. There are ways to improve your situation, whatever it is. You may not be able to improve it as much as you would want to, but I almost always think there are ways that we can make what we, where we are a little bit better. And so I'd encourage you to, to do that. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure talking with you and um, you're a very, very good interviewer. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Hey, Gratitude Seeker. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview. I really appreciate it. And if you could think of one person that would also benefit from it, share it with them. It might actually be the inspiration that they need to make their day or maybe even their life much better. Thank you so much once again. This has been Georgian Benta. Don't forget to keep seeking and spreading gratitude.